All right. Well, for all of our listeners out here, uh, we've been bitching about no deno uh, for the last few weeks. Well, not only do we have no deno, we have no kitsch, but we've got one person to make it. We'll be more than making up for those two. Welcoming back to the our third time visitor, uh, the only uh, visitor to be on the pod uh, a third time, Aaron Rose of all things Toronto sports. Now we're going to talk about that a little bit, but uh, also of, of Sports Illustrated. So Aaron, welcome back uh, to Borderline Raptors. Thank you very much. I didn't realize it was the third time, uh, only third time guest. So uh, it's an only, honor. Only third time. Hey, listen, it's huge for us too. You're, set, you're setting the bar. You're setting the bar for other guests. Um, so this is, this is great. Um, so listen, welcome back. Let's dive right in. Um, obviously, you've got a pretty good pulse uh, of the team. I think you spend, uh, you're a little bit more intimate with uh, having access to players, coaches and whatnot. So I'm curious, right? Because we sit here in our little hive and we uh it's all conjecture in our part from just watching the games and you know reading uh whatever we get our hands on listening to listening to um press conferences but i'm curious from your sort of in-depth angle and i don't know that you and i are going to agree on everything today which is totally okay um but why don't you just give me your thoughts season year to date um and you know are you is this where you thought we'd be is it disappointing are you you know is it on track is it uh, and then we'll dig into a, little, a few other things based on that yeah i i think this season has been a disappointment uh, there's no really other way to look at it they've they've been among the worst teams in the league all season they're climbing out of that spot now i think they're in the ninth seed last i checked so they're still in the playing mix. I think I would look at it and say, at the beginning of the season, what was the ceiling on this team? Probably a first round exit, best case scenario, second round exit in the playoffs. So I suppose the ceiling actually hasn't changed that much. There's still a team that I think their ceiling this season is probably a first round exit. But the way they've gotten to that point is pretty disappointing. And and up to the trade deadline, they were you know the, the sixth worst team in the league. I thought they were going to be sellers of the trade deadline. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But I would say, considering last year, the way they finished the season, going toe-to-toe in the first round of the playoffs with uh, the 76ers, I thought they were going to take a step forward. They just haven't done that this year. So uh, I'd give them a a pretty low grade uh, in terms of what they've done this season. It's been pretty disappointing. All right. Well, so listen, maybe we aren't going to disagree. That's good. Um, Because I think uh, uh, if you've seen any of our clips, I think we all... um, everyone on this podcast sort of feels the same way that it's, it's been a pretty big disappointment. And again, I would agree with you. It's kind of the way that we've come to this point uh, that seems so disappointing. Now you could also make the argument to be fair to the other side. I mean, we've probably lost, I don't know, somewhere between seven to 10 games where it came down to uh, the last 30 seconds where we, either we had last shots or needed to stop or whatever it may be. So, you know, you win half of those games, uh, you know, we're over 500, Well, is that any better? Because I'm on my, I'm on my gain here. Better? Yeah. Okay. All right. Just pick it up from there, John. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, so if you look at, you know, you split some of those games, now all of a sudden we're over 500, over 500 gets you uh, much closer to that six seed. So there has been, I mean, it's not like we've just been getting run over here and, and completely, uh, you know, a non-competitive team. I think we've been a very frustrating competitive team because it hasn't, um, you know, we haven't won some of those games and, and really haven't, I guess, say, improved um, on last season. So uh, I'm with you on that. Disappointing. Now, you mentioned the trade deadline, buyers versus sellers. So let's talk about that for a minute too. Uh, here's where I got really frustrated last week is, uh, 
the team was relatively tight lipped about what their plans were. There's a lot of conjecture, but it, it, I mean, where there's smoke, there's fire to a certain extent. It, we were definitely shopping. I mean, I, I think that, I think that's the case. The Raptors were definitely looking to make a move. Didn't get anything they liked. Okay, fine. I can live with that. What I didn't like was Masai coming out after the fact and saying, Hey, we're a young team. We maybe over exceeded expectations last year, and therefore the, the ceiling, the expectations were too high this year. You know, that's one thing to say at the trade deadline when you don't make a move when everyone thought you were going to. But that wasn't what was said at the beginning of the season. No one, no one talked like that at the beginning of the season. So, what are your thoughts on us actually not being sellers? And do you have any rationales to why to why we didn't? And do you buy what Masai was selling at in his news conference? No, <laughs> is the simple answer. It, the, my oh, yeah, we are going to agree all day today, Aaron. It's going to be awesome. My problem with what he was saying was that if he, if he put together a story that was like, we have faith in this group, you know, it's been a, a bad year, our net rating is better than our record suggests, then maybe there's an argument to go with that. My problem was when I started to piece together what he was saying, I'm not sure it all added up. And you can make an explanation for whatever you want. It's just the explanation has to make sense with what they were doing. And to me, to say, you know, we got a lot of trades and we'll look into some of those things in the summer, trade offers, we'll look into some of those things in the summer if things don't work out. Well, when you couple that with the fact that they traded away their 2024 first round pick, sure, it's top six protected, but you can't trade away. Fred Van Vliet in the summer, or OG Ananobi in the summer, or Pascal Siakam in the summer, because that would suggest you're taking a step back next year. And if you take a step back next year, you're risking giving up a lottery pick, the seventh pick in the draft, let's say, worst case scenario, to the San Antonio Spurs for Yaka Pirtle. So uh, did this team need a center? 100% this team needed a center. And that begs the question, as I posted a video the other day, you know, what has Masai been doing for the last year and a half? And he took ownership of that mistake. They, they needed a center a while ago. But if you wanted to see this group with the center, could you have added Mason Plumley, who's worse than Yaka Pirtle, but you do it for a couple second round picks? Could you have signed somebody in the summer instead of just signing Otto Porter? Could you have signed a center? So if this team has needed a center for so long, you could pay up the price for Yaka Pirtle. I get that. But couldn't you have done it for a cheaper price or look somewhere else, even if it's 75% of Yaka Pirtle or 50% of Yaka Pirtle? It, the, my, my problem was some of what he was saying didn't entirely add up to me. Well, some or any of it. Like that's what I mean. I actually listened to that to that news conference, and I, and this is where, uh, and I took some heat for it on TikTok this week with my comments about Masai. But to me, that was all ego driven. Like it, it was just him not really willing to admit failure, right? Because if he'd known, like you said, for so long, we need we have these gaps, um, then address them sooner. There's nothing to say this team had to wait till February 10th. Uh, or eighth, whatever, to make to make a, a trade. Like if you knew this was a major gap, and this is whole, and in theory, holding the team back, then yeah, why aren't you moving? I I agree. And then I hate the deal for Jakob. Like I, I mean, he had a great game the other night. Obviously, we're not going to get thirty and twelve from him every night. Um, and he's a solid uh, piece, but he's not a trajectory changer, right? He doesn't take this team and go. Oh, well, all of a sudden now we can win a first round. Uh, in the players, you know, we're not going to beat we're not going to beat the Celtics, Sixers, or Bucks because we got Pirtle. So, and then to think it's only I can't believe it was only top six protected. Like, is that what the market was for Pirtle out there that you you had to go that route? And then yeah, and like you said, now we're in a real sort of where do we go with this team in the summer? And we got Pirtle to deal with now, right? In theory, he could walk, and then we'd be really in a uh, in a whole heap. So, if anything, I think. Uh, it's more confusing, and we're in a weaker position than we were on February 7th. 
And I guess my question was, he did take blame for the fact that this team hasn't had a center, but for the past year and a half or, or what have you, we've been talking about this, how this team needed a center. They need more three-point shooting and they need more guard play. And if he said, well, we want to see what this team looks like with a more well-constructed roster, why didn't you go to send two second-round picks for Bones Highland to add a little bit more shooting? Or why didn't you make another move? So it, it seemed like a half measure and nobody wants to do a half measure. You never want to be stuck in the middle in the NBA. So my problem was that story didn't entirely add up. Okay, we want to see what this team looks like with a more well-constructed roster. Well, could you have sent something for Luke Kennard? Or could you have sent something for Bones Highland? Or one of these guys that could help space the floor, uh, and Eric Gordon even. So that that was my problem. And then, as you mentioned, you look at what was offered for Fred Van Vliet. It was like Brandon Boston and and you know Terrence or Luke Kennard. It was they, they, the Clippers wouldn't do Terrence Mann in a first-round pick. The offers weren't very good. So no. and, and now you would say that... that it's because Fred is on an expiring deal. Well, Yaka Pirtle is also on an expiring deal. So if that was the price for talented players on expiring deals, and you'd think that Fred is better than Yaka Pirtle, well, why did the Raptors pay so much? Now, maybe there were other teams willing to give up first-round picks for Yak. We heard the Celtics were not willing to move a first-round pick. Their offer didn't sound, you know, even close to what the Raptors paid for Jakob Pertl. So, you know, I wasn't in the room. It's tough to judge what other teams were willing to do, but it does seem like the Raptors paid a hefty price and sort of handcuffed themselves next season and moving forward by protecting that 2024 pick to only top six protected. And now you can't trade a bunch of other first round picks down the road. Totally. I mean, we've, we, yeah, we, we've weakened ourselves in any future deals, right? Obviously that we, if we want to go make a, a trajectory changing type deal so that we're in a weaker position there, to me, it reeked. I mean, desperation is probably too strong of a word. I don't think it was desperation, but it reeked of holy shit. We better do something, um, because I actually now believe we would have been better off doing absolutely if that, if that was the only deal we we're going to make. Yeah, if we weren't going to go augment any other part of our of, uh, of the gaps in this team, um, then we should have done nothing. We should have kept that pick, uh, and you know what? We should have seen where this team takes us. And I was sitting there going, "Hey, you know what? If this team, as it's constructed," cannot make the playoffs and we're going to end up in the lottery. Well, this might be the year that's okay. Right. This, this is a, uh, admittedly a deep draft by all, um, you know, sort of draft level experts. This is a deep draft. Uh, and you may, you know, maybe we get lucky and you get a once in a lifetime generation. You're in a top, you know, you get a top one or two pick and you get lucky. I, I would have been way better off doing that than now. It kind of seems like they're saying, yeah, we need the center. We went out and got probably the, one of the top two that was available on the market and now we're going to be staring at probably a play-in game. And then what? You know, any of you get the eight seed or the seven seed, you know, and then what? And now we're just in a completely weaker position. You know, and Shaq said it on at the end of last season when we lost game six. He's like, Toronto is in no man's land. And I just believe if we go, if we make it into the play-in, get into a first round and at first round exit, we remain absolutely in no man's land, but probably a weaker hand. Would you agree? Yeah, because you have those three players who are all going to demand big contracts in, in Gary, Fred, and Yak. So y you can't pay all three of them, plus keep OG, Pascal, and you're going to have to pay Precious soon and, and Scotty soon. So you're heading toward the luxury tax bill, and we know the Raptors have been reluctant to go into the luxury tax in the past unless they're a championship team, and this group is not a championship team. So are they going to be willing to pay everyone? And then you go back to what you said about the draft. Uh, Masai was asked about the trade for Yak, and the first thing he mentioned, which caught my attention, was he said, we study the draft. And then he pivoted to talking about what Yak can do for this team. But it was interesting to me that the first thing he talked about when, tr when talking about the Yak trade was the draft. Now, 
they gave up sort of two valuable picks in that because they gave up the opportunity to have a lottery pick this year or at least a high lottery pick. So while they didn't yep. trade away that pick, they gave away a, a pretty good chance at a top two pick or a top four pick in this year's draft. Now, if he had said, so I asked him a follow-up question, which was, what did you mean by that? If he had said, we look at this year's draft and there's two generational guys at the top, but after the top two players, we don't think anyone else is superstar level. If he had said the rest of the lottery isn't very good, then, you know, whether you agree with him or disagree with him, that's fine. But at least it would have made sense if he said it's not very good. And if he said the 2024 draft, honestly, we looked at it. There's five really good players in the draft, but 2024 is considered a down year. Well, maybe that had made sense. But I asked him a follow-up question. He sort of dismissed the question. So he didn't give us a good answer. But you mentioned the draft, and it's, what did you mean? Is this year's draft class, as you've said, it's considered a pretty good draft? Maybe the Raptors don't feel that way. But at least tell us that he never gave us a response on what that meant. Um, but they do lose an opportunity, as you mentioned. If they had done nothing, maybe they could have fallen below the Orlando Magic and had the fifth best odds to move up into the top four. Instead, they might be stuck in no man's land because you lose in the first game of the play-in and you end up with the 14th pick in the draft. That's not where anybody wants to be. Yeah, I mean, shocker, Masai didn't answer a question that was asked of him and he deflected. That's um, it's weird. That's not, that doesn't seem like Masai's uh, MO. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's hard to it, it's hard to wrap your head around um, the idea that Masai. And you know, again, I'm, I'm going to be a little harsh here, but you know, Masai has positioned himself. The Raptors have positioned him as sort of the all-knowing, right? The guy that they have given the keys to everything to. He's on a massive contract. He's got the run of the city, uh, and I would say for the first time, probably in his tenure, there's some doubt as to whether or not his vision. Uh, and his moves are actually moving towards the guy who on Twitter, uh, after we lost Kawhi, I mean, his response was, I got this, right? Like we lost a generational player, but I got this. And, um, you know, I'm now wondering, does he have this? I think it's it's not just this one trade deadline. It's last trade deadline where he made a strange yeah. move, a deal that I thought was not good at the time, uh, trading that first-round pick to move back 13 spots in the draft. You get Thad Young. Thad Young's been in and out of the rotation this year, so it's not like he's been a key piece for this team. Sure, he brings great leadership, but you don't want to move 13 spots down in the draft for a guy who brings great leadership. And then the other thing is, and I know that I've been getting heat on this on, on social media, and I'm sure you guys have too, this doesn't say anything about Yakupertle. Yakupertle is a valuable player on this team who will make the Toronto Raptors better this season. So we are not criticizing Yakupertle as a player. As we just saw, he's really good and he's going to make this team better. But my question has been, to what ends? If he makes this team really good and they go to game six in the first round of the playoffs and lose, and you get the 17th pick in the draft, and next year you run it back, and now maybe you're paying the luxury tax, or maybe you have to make a change, now you're sort of stuck in the middle. So it's not about criticizing Yakupertl as a player, it's criticizing the direction of this organization. And at times, another question I asked Masai, when, when he was talking about the center position, is this a change in philosophy? Because if he had said, you know what, we tried to do something different, we wanted to do this Vision 6-9 thing, we wanted to bring in a bunch of wings to see what would happen, we learned something really valuable. We learned that it doesn't work. Now we're pivoting. At least that would make sense. I'm fine for front office with front offices taking a chance and explaining, we're trying to do this thing. It didn't work. It was a learning experience. Now let's pivot. You don't always have to be right. But again, he deflected and didn't really answer the question. But I just want accountability and I want people to explain their vision to us. This was the strategy. It didn't work. Now we realize we really need a center. We brought in a center. This was the price we had to pay. Again, to go back to the press conference, some of what he was saying just didn't add up to me. 
Yeah. I mean, listen, again, totally agree. And again, I, I think uh, Masai is in a position of he doesn't answer to anybody and he sure shit isn't going to fall on his sword. Uh, and so it's for the rest of us to just, again, right, believe, uh, I guess, somewhat with blinders on that he's going to figure this all out and he doesn't like to be questioned about it, which I mean, I get, but I'm with you. I think everyone's understanding and probably Toronto has probably a um, a very forgiving and or understanding base considering 2019 is not that far, uh, far off. And there have been some like, like I think the precious trade for Lowry, great trade, right? That's going to, that could ultimately work out for it. Like he's, he's got some things, but it's okay to say, listen, we are going to pivot now because this wasn't every, you know, you know what? You don't even have to fall on your sword to say it didn't work. You can just say, Hey, it's not where we thought we'd be at this stage of the experience. So we're going to pivot into, you know, two other, two other areas or whatever it may be. But uh, you know, the last thing I want to ask you on this team and uh, with Masai, um, in particular and not making like they seem to be ignoring their lack of three point shooting uh, or they, or they seem to have this, uh, belief that the precious of the world, the Boucher's of the world, like those guys are ultimately going to become knocked down three point shooters at that 35 and above percentage. And I, I'm, I've been shocked, <coughs> excuse me, last couple of years, we haven't addressed the, the, the shooting. And I just, I find that like, and they don't really talk about it a ton. I find that mind-boggling. It, to me, it's so glaring that we need more shooting. And, and Masai mentioned that he wants this team to be a top-tier, I think where there's a term he used, top-tier three-point shooting team. Now, he said that will happen through development, but it goes back to what I said earlier, which was if you want to see this roster compete with a more well-constructed team, then you need to get them a center, check, they, they hit that box, but they didn't address the other needs. They still don't have a backup guard. Uh, no, no offense to Malachi Flynn or Delano Banton. They're just not doing it. And then you can't have a roster that has a couple three-point shooters. Now you could say in the summer, they did add a shooter in Otto Porter Jr. But if you address your shooting need with a guy who's chronically injured, and then you say, oh my God, we hadn't, we didn't have a plan for the guy who's chronically injured getting injured. We didn't know how to, we didn't expect him to get injured. Well, then that's not really a plan. So uh, they, they could have done something at the trade deadline. I'm sure they could have done something in, in the summer. They could have brought in somebody other than Otto Porter Jr. Yes, it's unfortunate that Otto Porter Jr. got injured. He would have been a shooter for this team. But you're right. Uh, the lack of three-point shooting on this team has been problematic. They brought in the Noalytics uh, in the OVO to help with shooting, and it just hasn't shown results this year because a lot of those guys have just not taken a step forward. Um, it turns out that you, you can't win in the NBA when the shooting difference is just so big. You can try and win on the offensive boards, but at the end of the day, if one team makes 12 three-pointers or 15 three-pointers and the other team makes seven, you're just going to lose. The math doesn't add up. Yeah, I mean, if you look at our box scores throughout the course of this season, the number of times we've been in that low, like we, there have been games where we've been in the teens in our uh, three-point shooting, low 20s. You know, if that was just an average, like if you were in high 20s, low 30s in some of those, like you win, you win those games. And it's just, I, I think you're asking guys who aren't naturally capable of shooting threes on a volume because it's a volume three league right so uh you know the bouchers and, and the chewers of the world i don't think can be taking six to seven threes a, a game and expecting them to hit three of them two of them right? i mean i just think that on a, on a consistent basis so those aren't the guys right like i know he want besides talks about that but those aren't the guys you need the canards you need the bogdanoviches which i'm surprised he didn't move out of detroit uh but you need those guys coming off the bench who that you know give you 18 minutes a game and you know if they're open uh, it's it's a it's a high probability, right? I never feel that way about a chewer or Boucher. Even I know Boucher is playing much better right now. I get it; he's playing, uh, but I still don't have that confidence that he's a, a knockdown three point shooter when when he has those looks. So hopefully that's something they they address um, 
uh, in the offseason again and make it a priority because I just I'm just shocked it hasn't been a priority the last couple of years. All right, listen. Um, moving into offseason, I'm going to throw out some names. You're going to tell me uh, resign uh, or trade, okay? Or or, or walk. Uh, it's tough to know what the trade market is for some of these guys, but we can try and do this. Yeah, we can try. Yeah, you, you can just tell what you what your gut tells you think is, might happen um, with, with these players. All right, let's start with the most obvious. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this with I think the organization has um, has ties to Fred in a way that I think they're somewhat blinded by who he really is. So that is going. Um, with that said, what happens to Fred Van Fleet in July? The problem is that none of these guys, if, if any of these guys walk for nothing, this front office is going to have to answer for that. Because coming into the trade deadline, I said they can make an argument for going for it or not going for it, whatever you want to do. The one thing they can't have happen is let these guys walk for nothing. So I can't yep. believe that any of these three guys you're going to ask me about are going to walk for nothing. So back to Fred. I think at this point, you have to sign Fred to sort of a three year, whatever it is, $30 million per season deal that he's probably looking for maybe it's four years so the problem is you're kind of stuck in a cap crunch now to go back to what i think messiah is thinking which is the teams that were interested in fred at the trade deadline were the milwaukee bucks and the clippers and at least they can't sign fred in free agency so they have to work a signing trade so maybe the raptors can go back and do the signing trades that they were talking or the trades they were talking about at the trade deadline. Now you just sign and trade him, but signing trades are so difficult and you can look back and oh. you can say, well, the Raptors did a really good one with Kyle Lowry, but it's so tough. And it wasn't like precious Achua was a sure thing coming to the Raptors. So no. at this point, I'd have to say that they're just going to re-sign Fred. Fred's a really talented player. Do you want to sign him for a four-year deal? There's questions to be raised about how that contract looks at the end of the deal. Um, but at this point, I'd imagine you have to re-sign Fred. Yeah, I mean, listen, off-season sign trades, like you said, are hard, and I always believe the team that's losing the free agent and somehow manufactures a sign trade, it's a devalued sign trade. We got lucky with Precious, right? That one worked out for us, even though you know Lauer was in the downswing of his career. You know, he wasn't a ton, of, but yeah, it's it's a huge, uh, it's a much bigger gamble. Uh, one because. That player is not integrated. You know, if you sign him, if Fred got traded in February, he's had three months with that team. So that team to resign everything, they're in a much better position. Um, and then it's a known quantity. So yeah, it, we're totally deleveraged in any of these sign, uh, you know, sign and trade scenarios. So that, so I, I got, yeah, I think there's, I think there's zero question they resign Fred. I think there's zero, zero, zero question. And I think that's, and that's why I say, it. I just think it's, a, it's blinded a little bit because I don't know. You know, we've been, uh, listen, I love Fred and I think Fred is a piece on a good team. Uh, I don't know that, uh, you know, on the Simmons podcast a few weeks ago, they, they did a pretty deep dive on, on the Raptors and they all said they like Fred too. Uh, it was him and Rosillo, but they said, is he a top three guy in a championship team? And I think that's the question you have to ask yourself. I don't think he is. I don't think he's a top three. I think he's a starter, but I don't think he's a top three. So they're going to give him four years, one thirty ish, I think, because that's going to be what that's he wants the hero and pool type deals, and I think that's what we're going to give him, and then I think we're going to hate that deal somewhere down the line. But I think you're right. Yeah, although that's I think we've 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 said those things about like the Kyle Lowry deals or even you know Fred's last deal, which 
turns out that these things age pretty well, but you're right, a four-year deal at 130 or what have you, the cap's going up and there's more money coming into the league. So maybe it doesn't look so bad, but again, do you want sort of a six-foot point guard, especially if that's the the way the league is going? They're trending away from that position as the Raptors have with their whole Vision 6-9 thing. So right. it, it, it could be tough at the end of that contract, but uh, the Raptors have lost their leverage in free agent talks and trade talks. So at this point, I think you're going to have to bring back a lot of these guys. All right, so I'm going to uh, curveball here. Not a resign. Well, I guess we could we could extend in in the offseason. But OG, what do you think happens to OG in the offseason? Do you think we trade him? So the Raptors actually have difficulty extending him because he's not going to take what they're going to offer him in terms of an extension. They, they're maxed at 120% of his current salary. So at this point, when every time they're talking about, well, we could get the same offers we had at the trade deadline, we could probably get those in the summer. And there's 29 teams that are looking to upgrade. OG's a guy that I could see moving. Now, I said I thought he was going to be the most likely guy to be traded at the trade deadline. So what do I know? But again, you can't bring everyone back without hitting the luxury tax. So maybe it makes sense to trade OG, get a couple of those young players that they were looking for and not offered at the trade deadline. Now, maybe Memphis comes up short of the trade uh, in the Western Conference Finals, maybe against a team like Phoenix or what have you, and they're looking to upgrade. So I think it makes some sense for the Raptors to move on from OG when there's more suitors, when there's more teams that came up short that just feel like we're one really good wing defender away. OG's on a really good contract, even if it's only one more year after this season. So his value goes down a little bit, but in theory, maybe that comes out in the wash with the fact that there's more teams interested in him. So I could see the Raptors trading OG this summer. Um, again, because they have to move someone. Who is it going to be? He's probably the most obvious choice right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, th- I think you're right. Um, his value probably goes up in the summer, right? Because you will have those teams. Now, it's not necessarily great for us because the teams that are sitting there saying, hey, we're a piece away are generally going to be returning us their first round draft picks who are going to be in the 20s, uh, mid-20s, right? So um, not as uh, as valuable, but I do think, yes, you'll have more teams. There could be a bit of a bidding war for him because you could have a Golden State, you could have a Memphis, you could have a Denver going, hey, we didn't make it to the finals this year. We're a piece away. There's our guy, right? So he, that's not that's not horrible for me, but just quickly. How unhappy is, is OG in Toronto, it, from what you know? Every time he's talked about it, he, he's not that he says much of anything any, ever, but it sounds like, you know, he, he has always said that's not the case, but there's too much reporting from guys who are far more well-connected than I am saying that he is unhappy. The problem with the whole OG unhappy thing that doesn't make sense to me is anywhere he's going to get traded to, is going to have him in that third or fourth man role. He's not going to Memphis and taking shots away from John Morant and Desmond Bain. He's not going to New Orleans and stepping in over Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson or, or wherever he goes. Unless he's going to a, you know, Orlando Magic Detroit Pistons where maybe he can soak up a ton of possessions and you know win 20 games a season, he's not if he thinks he's a high usage, high efficiency guy, he's just never shown that. So to me, He'll get paid a ton of money if he's a really, really valuable, you know, defensive player of the year candidate who's going to stand in the corner and shoot threes at a high percentage. Those guys are extremely valuable in the NBA. But if he's a low efficient, you know, 30% usage guy, 25% usage guy, what have you, on a really bad team, those guys aren't that valuable. So I don't know if what OG wants necessarily makes sense, but because anywhere he goes, he's going to be in the same sort of role he's in in Toronto. It, he's not going to be, you know, a top two guy on on a championship playoff team uh, anywhere in the league. No, I t- t- uh, yeah, wherever he goes, I hate to say it, he's going to go stand in the corner and shoot threes. Uh, now, I think it's a little unfair to him 
uh, but that, that he's been sort of, I think, uh, pigeonholed into that offensive concept. You know, Nurse did a lot of talk in the offseason about how it was his job to make, to get him more involved, uh, and be a bigger part of the offense. But, you know, those things are so easily said. And I think it's somewhat out of Nurse's control to a certain extent because we have a few, we have a couple of ball dominant guys and it's just, it's just tough. Uh, so, but I, I totally agree with you. That's who he is, and he just needs to accept that reality. The only way he becomes a 25-point-per-game kind of guy and is more vocal is if he's going to the Pistons, uh, if he's going to uh, some lottery-based team that, that's a few years away from being a contender, right? And even the Pistons, I mean, that, that basketball will be tough for him to get. But, uh, yeah, totally agree with you. So th- that'll be interesting. My, um, I do think OG goes in the, in the offseason. I really do. So that, that would be my call. Um, all right, Gary. Now, I'm, I'm interested in yeah. Gary because I think this is actually a very tricky one. Obviously, there's a domino effect with Fred, but I think this is a very, very interesting sort of scenario, considering that Gary seems to be saying all the right things about wanting to stay in Toronto. Yeah, I feel like a few months ago, I was saying Gary's the most likely guy to be traded. Nick Nurse was making comments like if he doesn't pick up his defense, he doesn't fit with us long term. Suddenly, you know, everything we've heard, Michael Grange has done a lot of reporting on it. And frankly, conversations I've had with Nick or Gary have all suggested that he's been total professional. And we'll see what happens when this team is fully healthy, if they ever get fully healthy and Gary probably goes back to the bench. How does he feel about that? Um, how does he project to us a feeling about that? And how does he project to the front office and, and management and the coaching staff, how he feels about that? Now, if you're bringing back this whole group, does it make sense for Gary to sign here knowing that he's probably going to be on the bench uh, with this team long-term? Maybe you trade OG and that changes things. But I think Gary's best position to be a six man on a really, really, really good team. But does he see himself that way or does he want to, does he have higher aspirations than that? So um, it sounds like he's probably not going to get the Tyler Hero deal. He's probably going to get something closer to $100 million, uh, maybe a little bit less than that. So if the number is less than probably I was thinking a few months ago, then I could see the Raptors bringing him back. It's interesting. We haven't heard any sort of talks about what were the Raptors offered for Gary Trent Jr.? We know what they were offered for, for OG Ananobi. We sort of have heard rumors about what they were offered for Fred Van Vliet. There's been no talk about what they were offered for Gary Trenchner. At least I yeah. haven't seen it. And if that's the case, either maybe there weren't a ton of teams interested or maybe the Raptors just said, this is a guy that we want to keep long, here long term. We're actually you know, not going to have these conversations. So um, I don't know what I can read into the lack of reporting there. But uh, I'm starting to think that sort of it makes sense to keep Gary. You talked about how this team needs three-point shooting. Well, getting rid of you know your second best, maybe your best three-point shooter without getting somebody back who's just as good doesn't make a ton of sense. No, I agree. Listen, my thought is he's 100% coming back. Uh, you know, he's, like you said, he, it's hard to think the team that I think lacks shooting, we're going to have probably our best overall shooter when you think about it. I mean, he can create his own shot. He's decent from uh, inside the arc. He's decent from outside the arc. I mean, I just don't know how you give him up, but I do think he's our sixth man. Right. And I think, and I don't know, I think Gary, uh, is coachable. Um, I think he would be role accepting, uh, under the right circumstances. And, and our six, this, a six man come up the Raptors bench next year, or even this year is still going to play close to 30 minutes a game, uh, almost starters minutes. And, you know, I think that's exactly who Gary is. So again, it's whether or not he, uh, you know, someone like Gary thinks he can go somewhere else and be a starter and you know, make hero money because I, I I don't think there are two. I I'm guessing the market isn't that high for him um, in free agency. So I might he's coming back. He's coming back. And, and I hopefully also, you're right. Well, hopefully it's four years and a hundred. 
I could also see him closing games. We talked so much about who's going to totally. start games. But if, if Yak can't shoot free throws down the stretch and maybe they're isolating him in the pick and roll and they're pulling him out to the perimeter, I could see Yak on this team next year, and I'm sure we'll talk about him. But I could see him starting games, then not closing games, and maybe Gary comes in. This team needs a little more firepower. They want to switch more. Gary actually closes games for this team, and maybe he's comfortable in that role. Totally. Uh, 100% agree. He is a modern-day Vinnie Johnson, if you ask me. I don't know. Do you remember Vinnie Johnson, Aaron? You might be too young. I Oh, Vinny, the, he was the microwave off the Pistons uh, bad boys team. He was For awesome. me, it was like Jamal Crawford and Lou Williams, or that, the guy yeah, who okay, like, yeah. had that, that description. Yeah. All right. All right. There we go. A little gen- yeah, we, we close the generational gap there. Sure. Um, yeah, it, it is a Lou Williams, uh, Jamal Crawford. That, I think that's exactly who he could be. Right. So, yeah, and totally close game. So I'm with you. All right. All right. Last but not least, because we got to move on because we got to get to our grades. Um, Turtle, where's he going? I mean, I'll, t- I'll start it off. We have to resign him. Yep. Uh, it sounds like Masai was asked that question. He said, we always value resigning our guys. Masai, I guess it's tough to say this now because he has let a few guys walk. I would say those were different circumstances, letting uh, Sergio Bach and Marcus Saul walk. They wanted to keep cast space open, open for yeah. Giannis, which didn't end up happening. And the Kawhi thing was the Kawhi thing. And Danny Green, I guess, was sort of the Kawhi thing too. So, But generally speaking, the Raptors bring back their guys um, as often as possible. And I think they're going to do that with Yak. And Yak was asked the question about it. And he said, like, they, they didn't bring me here to let me walk in the summer. So I imagine uh, he'll be back with the team. But if he knows that he's going to be back with the team, he's probably looking at something between like 17 and $18 million. Maybe he says, well, you know, I want a little bit more than that because I've got you in a tough situation. So uh, again, the Raptors have given up leverage in trade talks and given up leverage in free agency conversations, but uh, maybe they have great relationships with these guys and they can work out sort of a team friendly or something that's less player friendly uh, to get a good deal. But you have to think at this point, Yak is back with this team next year. Well, yeah, he does have all the leverage, right? Because I think he can even sit there and say, what's it going to be like if you let me walk? How bad, you know, how bad is it going to be for you in the media with the fan base? I mean, it just would be a disaster. So he's got all the leverage. And I, I do think we'll probably end up slightly overpaying uh, market market for him. But, I mean, we have no choice. It's what we've done. And we'll see. Like, we need to get – I think we do need to give this a little bit more time to see how impactful he's going to be, even though I keep saying he's not um, – uh, he doesn't change the trajectory. But, I, you know – Let's let it play out. And maybe by the end of the season, well, we're going, oh, yeah, he, he does change the trajectory in the sense that this team goes from being, you know, probably a, a, a lottery team to a play in first round exit team, but they're not going, you know, much higher than that. So he gets you to the first round. Right. It gets you into the plan yeah. picture, but I don't know if that's necessarily want, where you want to be. I don't see in three years, all of a sudden everything clicks. And now Yaka Pertle is, you know, the key guy on a championship team. So I guess that's Aaron, the, can I tell the bigger you as, difference. Can I tell you as a uh, first year season ticket holder for the Raptors? That is not the trajectory I want to be on. Right. That is not where I want to. <laughs> Honestly, at first I thought I could, there's no way I could ever sit through a rebuild. I totally would. I, I would, like, I, I had accepted the idea of this team going, all right, this is what we are. We're going to go with the lottery and we're going to start over a little bit. And I was good there. I think that's as, as painful as that can be uh, over 82 games in the course of a season. I get it, but if, it, it gives you hope that you're on, that you're building something that's going to be really good in the future. Middling, to, you know, can we ever get over the first round of the playoffs is a terrible space to be in. And, you know, so we, we beat that horse, but I, I'm telling you, I was ready as a, as a season to go the other way because middling, oh, I think that's going to be even more frustrating. 
Yeah, I think next year would have been fun if you had sort of the Scotty Barnes and everyone's talking about the Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama, but even, you know, the Thompson brothers or whoever it is you get with the sixth uh, pick in the draft. Uh, anything. Yeah. At least you get to see the excitement of what the future could hold with Scotty and Precious and whether it's Coloco and this young guy and maybe you keep around uh, Fred and OG or whatever. Uh, there's an opportunity to have a really fun team. Now you sort of have this team that you're always anxious. What's our ceiling? It turns out the ceiling is, you know, a second round playoff exit next season, which would be disappointing. Yeah, totally. Um, all right, listen, we got a few minutes left here. Let's, I'm going to, uh, we won't go as deep into the grading system as I, uh, as I wanted to, but that's okay. Last time you were on, we did the grades. Um, we are, what are we, 50 something games in here, 58 games in here. So I think we have a pretty good idea of what we're dealing with. Um, and I'm not even sure that what we grade now is going to be any different towards the end of the season because I'm not sure you can change much of, uh, to this point. So we don't need to go too in depth here. We'll, we'll have a, we'll, we'll be on the, uh, A to, a to F system. Um, and here we go. Are you ready? Are we, are we, are we doing plus minus too? No, absolutely. Oh, you, anywhere, okay. anywhere. You want to go A minus, A plus, A? Yeah, absolutely. You can be anywhere you want. F plus, sure. No problem. Uh, all right. Here we go. Curveball. Let's grade team chemistry. Team chemistry at this point is probably like a C minus. It seems like every few days we've heard a report that someone's unhappy. And uh, I guess team chemistry maybe goes up a little bit because they brought back Yak and you get the great storyline there that Yak is back with the team and he's best friends with pressure. Uh, Pascal yeah, Siakam. Yeah. So maybe it goes up to like a B minus, but for the most part, it's been bad vibes from this team uh, all season long. I totally agree. I think C minus was friendly. I was going to go D. I'm going to stick with D. I can't, and it, you know, because it just seems, I watch, especially when you go to the games, you're there and you can see it live. Like you really do get a feel for when these guys come back to the bench, how they engage with the coaching staff, that sort of, like, it's been awful. It's been awful. Like, um, and you know, it seems like Fred's working really, really hard to try and keep everybody sort of like, I'll give Fred a ton of credit for that. He does. See, he's a, he's a good leader uh, from that standpoint, because he's working his ass off trying to keep this team together, but it's been tough. It has been tough. So, uh, all right, we're, we're kind of on the same page there. Uh, moving on. Now, I think this one's interesting. So we're going to start at the top. Pascal. Yeah. Earlier in the season, I probably would have given Pascal like an A in terms of, you know, his own, this was going to be the best season of his career and it's come out down a little bit. Um, and the fact that this team isn't winning, uh, probably looks bad on him being the number one guy on this team, but I don't think I could go much lower than an A minus. So I'm going to go a little bit lower because uh, I'm going to go B plus. And the only reason why it's not an A is because I think his play has fallen off a little bit here in the last sort of 45 days. Uh, he, he doesn't seem quite, I don't know if he's fighting something, doesn't quite seem to be the same uh, guy that he was the first 30 games. Now, and I'll tell you again, little things. And we commented on the pod way back uh, for start of the season. He was super engaged offensively, defensively, sprinting back working his ass off. It, he does not have that same level of engagement on both ends of the floor that he did. Because I get a long season. And, you know, it's frustrating. Do you think it has to do with the fact that he's leading the league or last I checked, he was leading the league in minutes played. So I, I am, I'm really bad on minutes played guy. Like, I, I think I devalue it uh, a little. Like I don't get me wrong. Nurse is playing these guys too much and it's going to lead to injuries. Does that mean in the moment you can't sprint back on defense because you played 38 minutes versus 39 minutes? I don't know. Like, I don't think so in the moment. Does, is it going to lead to a bigger problem? Yes. hundred percent. But in the moment, does it, does it lead to the fact that I missed a shot? I threw my hands up in the air. I didn't get the call. So therefore I'm going to jog back on, on defense. Like that's the shit that drives me crazy. And I'm just saying he's leaked into that a little bit more 
in the last sort of 30, 45 days, 10, 15 games, whatever it may be. So it's the only reason why I'm giving him a B plus. I think Siakam's been, and I don't think we can do anything other than uh, praise his overall play. And he got snubbed, all that sort of stuff. But so, yeah, we're we're close there. It's the only thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I can be a little critical sometimes, Aaron. Sure. Yeah. I'll, just, I'll agree with out, most of what you said. Just ask Kitchen Denham. Who, um, who, who's all right, next? Uh, moving on. OG. Wow. So OG right now is complicated by the fact that he's missed time. And this seems to be the OG trend that he misses, you know, yeah, 15, yeah. 20 games a season. And this thing keeps going on. It seemed like a serious injury. Then there were reports that it wasn't a serious injury. Now we have no timetable for his return. Um, I don't know. He hasn't taken a step forward from last season. Maybe his defense is a little bit better. It's tough because at this point, I feel like OG is who he is. And it's tough to grade a guy who you just, he hasn't taken a step forward, but he also hasn't gotten worse. What am I going to grade OG? He gets a B. Yeah, I struggle with this one too because, you know, if you look at his numbers, they're decent, right? Eight, almost 18 points a game, shooting at what, 36%. Uh, he's considered a top tier defender. I, I think he's slightly overrated as a, as a, a three and D guy, not to say he's not top tier. I think he's slightly overrated. Uh, I think B's fair. I'm going to, I'm going to stick with, with B on that, but I'll tell you what, it, it almost went a little lower for me because of the eggshellness to him, right? Here we are. Like it looked like we had some high hopes. He might actually get to 70 something games this year, which he hasn't done. And then all of a sudden, boom, you know, I, I was watching that game when it happened. I mean, it was a hard fall, but I'm sure I'm actually surprised it's been this long, right? We're going to be three weeks here after the, after the all-star break. So, yeah, but I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Has he taken? Yeah. I don't know if he's taken. Yeah, you're right. I, I don't think he's taking a step forward. I would have said that beginning the season, it looked like he had. Um, of course, when you can't dribble the basketball from one end to the other, it, it's hard to take a step forward. I would think. When you can't dribble yeah. the basketball very much at all in any context. It's unbelievable. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. All right. Okay. Uh, now another, this is an interesting one because I think he's, he's playing better lately. Um, our, our second year, man. Former Rookie of the Year, Scotty Barnes. If you had asked me this question a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago, I would have given him probably a really low grade. It's come up since then. It still has not probably been where people had hoped. Uh, he's If there was a sophomore of the year uh, award given out, he would probably not be in the conversation. What am I going to give him? Uh, maybe a B, a B. I don't want to get ripped apart on social media so i will give him a b yeah you, i'm afraid you, have to be, you say anything bad about scotty and people the first thing that comes is he's only 19 you know, they, oh, i i get it but this is now he this is his job he's doing this for a living uh and there are some questions around you know what was his off season like that sort of thing i again i think b's did you say b or did you go b or b minus did you go b you want b i give him a b a friend yeah, uh, you know a friendly I, b and the only reason why I'm in the B's with him and I'm going to go B minus is because of his play in the last sort of 15 games, but even though I still think it's inconsistent, but when we get to the next, no, not the next, we got two more to go before we get to his coach. We're going to talk about that a little bit because I think some of this does fall there, but it's just, it's shocking to me game to game, how inconsistent he's been, um, whether it be his level of aggressiveness, um, you know, the offense flowing through him, uh, whatever it may be, like he's just he's just, he's been too disengaged for me uh, too many times this season to give him that sort of jump up. But it, I definitely think it's been better the last 10, 10, 12 games. So yeah, B minus for me. Uh, I, and I would say like, does what are your thoughts? Does he not need to go to the shooting doctor? Like I, I and again, I think we put him in this position of like I don't think he should ever shoot a three pointer. I just don't. I don't think and, that's and, what he should ever find himself. 
And I think part of the problem is we're grading him on the rookie of the year, who he was last year. So yeah. he's he did not exceed expectations this year um, because expectations were so high, even you know realistic expectations. Uh, the problem with the whole shooting thing is this team doesn't have a ton of shooting, and you can't have him and Yak both standing in the paint uh, trying to avoid shooting three-pointers. So you do need some floor spacing. So you put him in the corner and then... He doesn't make a ton of shots. So uh, he has not improved his three-point shot from last year. Uh, it's very early in his career. He can do it. Um, I don't know who the shooting doctor is. I think his coach probably has lost that reputation as an elite shooting guru. Uh, maybe that comes back with some noalytics down the road. We haven't seen that yet. Um, but I think there, there's some optimism that Scotty's turning around the season. And if we see him do, do what he did in the playoffs last year, if he does that in the playoffs this year, uh, that, that grade can go up very quickly. Yeah, I agree. Listen, I, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a B, a low B, uh, but with obviously still, I think, massive upside. And, uh, so yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, two more. Actually, wait. Oh, yeah. You know, I was going to say, let's finish on, but I'm, we'll get the nurse on it. Uh, let's go Freddie first, then we'll go to nurse. Another guy who's had, sort of two seasons here where he had the first half of the season was just a disaster. And the second half of the season, he's been playing to the guy he was last year. I think you look at his stats and he's basically as good yeah. as he was last year, at least offensively, his defense has slipped uh, quite noticeably, certainly from last year and certainly from, you know, a couple of years before that, when he was a really good defender, what am I going to give Fred? I would give Fred sort of a, a B plus. I give his leadership a high grade. I give sort of what he's done in the second half of the season a high grade. I do think at times maybe his leadership doesn't work for some of the younger guys. But at the same time, uh, maybe that's because the younger guys need to grow up and figure out that Fred probably knows what he's talking about. So uh, sometimes you don't want to hear the truth uh, when it's coming from a guy who sort of knows the truth. So uh, earlier in the season, he would have got like a C minus. And I think the second half of the year, he's probably getting like an A, uh, put it all together. And he's probably around like a B plus. Yeah, you know, I totally agree. Like, he's he saved uh, his season here. He probably saved some of his free agency value here in the last 20 games, too. A uh, lot more like last year, shooting it better. Uh, seems even a little bit more – he just seemed a little bit unsure of himself early in the season, which I, I don't know why. He talked about it a little bit on – I don't know if you saw him or heard him on um, the podcast. podcast. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's what I like about Fred, right? He was pretty honest and, and – uh, you know, talked about some of, uh, some of the issues. wasn't trying wasn't trying to pretend like he hadn't been playing like shit, which like which I appreciate. Most guys wouldn't wouldn't be able to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm writing that B to B plus zone with you as well. Um, I, listen, because I, I think uh, there are some intangibles about him that I that I do like. It's and one of the reasons why I would probably think, yeah, bring him back for the right deal makes a ton of sense for this team. Um, but yeah. But at the end of the day, he's an undersized guard who can't break you down off the dribble. So I think his value sort of is uh, is somewhat limited. But uh, on this team, uh, yeah, B, I think B, B plus is fair. And, fair. and I think people are always talking about, you know, the Orlando Magic need a guy like that because he's a veteran leader. We should try and trade him to the uh, the Thunder because they need a guy like Fred who's a veteran leader. But you know who else needs a veteran leader uh, like Fred Van Lee is the Toronto Raptors. So anytime Raptor, I see Raptors fans making that argument, uh, these teams need a leader like Fred. The Toronto Raptors need a leader like Fred. We've seen that this totally. season. Uh, and I think moving forward, you need an adult in the room. And I think Fred often brings that leadership. Totally agree. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. And I actually, you know, I never, the Orlando stuff never made any sense to me. Uh, some of the, some of the teams where it was, you know, the Clippers made sense to me, right. For a destination for, but the, the magic, I, I was always sort of like, oh, I'm not sure that's, that's what they need at this stage of what they're trying to do. But all right, listen, last but not least, and I, and I do, and I've always said this, don't Aaron, don't take this the wrong way. 
I've always said Nick Nurse is my dream guest on this on this podcast. He is still my dream guest, but we've been hard on him this year. I, I, if you want to talk, I don't know if a coach can take a step back in his ability to coach, but I'm telling you, I feel like he's taken a step back this year. I, I don't. I think he's mismanaged a little bit. Um, the schemes don't seem to be as consistent. The rotations sure as shit aren't consistent. Uh, I'm convinced now that someone's gotten in his ear about, listen, you're just going to play these guys less minutes. That, I think that's happened. Um, and, you know, I don't, listen, I, I do believe in the NBA, you lose the room at some stage, right? Your voice just becomes, you know, another voice. And it's not, so, and I, I'm, I'm starting to sense that's happened a little bit. So I'm interested in your comments or your thoughts on nurse. Uh, and then I'll, I'll grade, I'll grade after you grade. Yeah. So, m- it's tough to grade Nick because last season I was saying this guy should be in the coach of the year conversation. He took a team yeah. that was deeply flawed and clearly we're seeing they were deeply flawed last year and he made them a playoff team and a team that was really, really good with all these weird wings and no guard depth at no center. So last year I was like, this guy deserves to be in the coach of the year conversation. And this year, People are calling for him to be fired. And I look at his rotations and people are saying, well, you know, Chris, how can, I can't watch Chris Boucher. That's on Nick Nurse for, for playing him so many minutes. At the same time, I'm like, who do you want to be in this rotation? You, you want Juancho more minutes? You want Delano more minutes? You want Malik? He's tried everyone. Now, you could argue that he doesn't stick with guys long enough, but there's a reason he doesn't stick with guys long enough because this roster is so poorly constructed that it has no bench. So it's tough to grade Nick knowing the context of this team and knowing that I think he objectively is a really smart X's and O coach. Uh, it's interesting to me when uh, the coaches poll came out at the or midway through the season or earlier in the season, all the coaches uh, or all the front offices graded Nick as like one of the best X's and O's guys. He was uh, an offensive guru, a defensive guru, but he wasn't considered one of the best coaches in the league. And I think at times coaching is really important for X's and O's. And you see that drawing up a box and one in the finals, but it also is developing young guys and playing guys minutes and managing a room. And I think this year we've seen there's enough smoke around this team not getting along. And I think some of that has to go back to Nick's ability to manage personalities. And maybe you need a different coach if you're coaching a young group versus coaching an older group. So uh, this year, I think I got to give him a D. This team has underperformed. Uh, again, it's, some of that is going to go Ooh. on the front office and some of that is going to go on players not taking a step forward. Uh, but at the end of the day, some of it also has to go on Jeez. Nick. Uh, really tough to grade, maybe a D plus. Um, but but I'm not saying fire Nick, but Nick deserves to be held accountable no, you said a little D. bit here. You said D. You cannot change. Sure. You said D. He's stuck with D. Um, listen, that's oh my god. Yeah. All right. Well, good. listen, Aaron, that's exactly what I want. I, I think. I mean, I wasn't going to go D. I'm not. Far, I'm not much better. Um, here's my. I'm interested in your thoughts on this. Do you not think we're a great, uh, or sorry, great, great's too strong for word. Do you not think we're a really uh, improved offensive team when the ball flows through Scotty? Uh, more sort of that topic key ish stuff. Like I find when that entry pass gets to Scotty in a in a in a, an aggressive position, we seem to flow better. I just don't think we get the ball to Scotty in a good position enough because he's a great passer, right? For the most part, pretty good decision maker. Um, at this level is great. And I just don't think we, like, to me, it's, it, 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 we just seem to be better when that ball flows through Scotty. And I think that's all on nurse. I think at times we have seen, and Masai used the word selfishness from this team. And yeah. I think at times earlier in the year, this team was one of the most isolation heavy teams offensively in the league. They were like, you know, second most isolation possessions per game, but they were among the least af- efficient isolation teams. So when your offense is like isolation, 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 and you're not doing it efficiently, 
the, some of that goes on the coach. So I think there probably wasn't enough ball movement. We're seeing with Yak, this team's running more pick and roll and it's paying dividends. Only been three games and, you know, a couple of victories over the Pistons and uh, Magic isn't something to, uh, you know, write yeah. home about. But at the same time, uh, I think at times this offense has looked too isolation heavy. And I think some of that goes on Nick because this team does need way more ball movement. And at times, as you mentioned, we haven't seen that this year. Listen, X and O's, I agree. I'll tell you what, we're great X and O's on inbound plays. I think we run the best inbound plays in the league to get looks out of an inbound play. If there's one guy I go to, I go nurse, run me an inbound play. But you know what? I'm not sure he's the guy I go to to say, run me an end of game play. The number of times this year we've needed a look at the end of a game and we don't get a good one. I mean, that's coaching to us. And I get it. Some of the stuff is, and I've heard him say this before. Uh, I know he was actually in a bar with Kitsch one time uh, after San, I think it was San Antonio where they drew up a play that Kawhi did not run anything uh, that the play uh, was schemed up for. So you do get in a stage where I think these guys actually take matters into their own hands a little bit. So I think that's real, but uh, I don't think he's been great at the end of games. I think his rotations have been tough and I, I do agree. But the one thing about nurse that I'm kind of surprised is that he's pretty cocksure about himself. Like the way he talks about his players in the press. Now he's talking about them in a way where he thinks, uh, I think he feels pretty confident of, of his status within the organization that he's not going anywhere. Uh, and I'm okay with that because I think that's where the coach, the head coach should be at that level of respect where, uh, he can tell the guys what he thinks. So I'm, I'm good. But however, I think you have to read the room. Uh, and for whatever reason, uh, yeah, he just it does not seem like he's got, I mean, I, I think him and Fred, I get the sense him and Fred are pretty tight. Uh, but after that, I don't know how many of those guys are, are huge Nick Nurse fans at the moment, but interesting. So I'm going to go, uh, I was going to give him a C plus. Um, but I think that's a major drop from C plus D, what I mean. Those are still major, major drops from where we would have put them a year ago, right? Because I'm with you. Coach of the year, absolutely. Um, uh, candidate last year, for sure, for sure, because of that team totally overexceeded. But interesting. All right, listen. Uh, and, 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 just, and, and quickly, I'll just say that, like, now this team is a, has a roster that should make more sense. And uh, it has a little bit more depth because you add one more guy. And if this team's healthy, so let's see what Nick does over the final, whatever it is, 25 games and into yeah. the playoffs. He has an opportunity to change the narrative. If this team starts overperforming, I think when they disappoint, some of that goes on the coach. When they start overperforming, I think also some of that goes on the coach. So uh, totally. this the, it, it's a little premature to be grading Nick. We will see what he does over the next 25 games. And if this team makes the playoffs, uh, when X's and O's become so much more important, Nick will really earn his grade. And it has an opportunity to go up a bunch uh, over the rest of the season. Agreed. All right, listen, I got to get you out of here. We have five minutes left. Uh, you've participated the last two times in our, our favorite segment of the what drives you crazy segment. Um, so hopefully you've, if you, if you have one, that would be great. I'll start us off here. Um, and it's going to be TikTok nation related as it has become a bit more. Um, so is mine. Oh, Oh, oh I, I'm guessing it won't be the same as mine, but we'll see. Um, so, since uh, producer John has made us uh, a somewhat reasonable force on TikTok as it relates to the Raptors with our 17,000 followers, uh, I spent a lot of time answering um, comments. Generally speaking, uh, the majority of the comments uh, are not very friendly. <laughs> they are, they're quick to jump on us. But what's driving me, and I'm totally okay with that. You don't have to agree with this. I'm good with it. But what's driving me crazy, and I just had this morning, I was responding to this, whatever this user was. Um, they they don't listen to the actual take. They comment on something that we don't say. And I'm like, that's the part I just like I'm sitting there going, Did you listen to what we said? We like we had this LeBron take 
and it's got, I don't know, it's got a ton of views, but it's all, all the responses are brutal on us. They're just, the shit they're throwing at us is, is incredible, but none of it is actual response to what we actually said that we didn't like, but what LeBron said. And that's it. That's all, that's all it was. And the majority of the takes are TikTok nation. You actually aren't commenting on what we said. You're commenting on a narrative that you've either made up in your head or uh, you thought that we've said or, or intimated or whatever it may be. So TikTok Nation, I'm just asking very, very nicely here. Just listen to what we say. And then if you want to shit on us because of what we said, I'm good. It won't drive me crazy. But you're driving me crazy for that reason alone. So there we go. That's my that's my this week's what drives. It's funny you said we weren't going to have the same one. We actually have basically the same one. So I was <laughs> going to say, number one is, you know, I keep, I've, I've done a lot of videos criticizing what I thought was a bad trade deadline for this organization. But I'm not saying Gakapertl is a bad player. So people saying, well, two days ago you were saying this trade sucked and now you're saying it's the greatest trade ever. I'm not. I'm saying the trade deadline, I wouldn't have done what they did. I think they made a mistake. But I think Gakapertl is a really talented player who will make this team better. Those are totally different things understand the whole video, watch the whole video, and then respond. So that's sort of what you were saying. And the other one is TikTok tough guys or Instagram tough guys who come in and they come in so hot. They come in firing away. You're the worst. You're the dumbest. You don't watch any basketball. Come on, man. I watch basketball. I cover this team all the time. And then yet, oftentimes you can disarm them. You just say, you know, thanks for the engagement. Thanks for commenting, whatever. And they're like, oh, I love your videos or whatever. They, once you respond, they come way down, but don't come in so hot. So those are my two, uh, what, what's the segment called? Uh, things that what, what irritate drive, me a bunch. What, People, what things drives, that drive yeah, me what, crazy. Those what, are the what, things that drive me the, crazy. Well, it's funny. Yeah. The number of times I get, well, clearly you've never played basketball. Right. Or you never coach, but it's so it is. Yeah. They go at it. They come at you so hard and half the shit doesn't even make any sense. And then when I brought up Bronny and LeBron thing, oh my God, they shit all over my kids. <laughs> and, Another and, time, and, and clearly you don't have a kid who can do anything or you don't have a talented kid or you don't. Have, it's just like, Hey, that may be true. But that's not what I said. And, and, and I'm trying to make entertaining content all the time. as I'm sure you guys are, but if I just said, you know what? let's just wait and see what this front office does. Let's wait and yeah. see how things play out. I can't just do the today's video is let's wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Today's video is kiss the ring. Yeah. yeah we we have to be critical I, when we see, I'm always trying to be honest with people and I can't just be like, let's wait and see how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, if, if I did that every single day, nobody would follow me. Uh, I'd get no engagement and nobody would be entertained. Amen. Amen. Aaron, amen. Um, all right, listen. Uh, before we go, where can uh, where can our TikTok Nation uh, followers uh, find you? Listen to you. What's what's happening in your social media uh, world? Aaron Ben Rose across uh, all social media: TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. Less so. I'm less often there, but I, you guys are really growing. It's awesome to see. Uh, it's awesome to grow this this TikTok community um, as Raptors fans engage on more platforms. So Aaron Ben Rose across social media. And then, you know, Sports Illustrated Raptors page, you Google that, you find it online, and you'll see my written content there. All right. Well, listen, Aaron, that's awesome. Uh, thank you once again for coming uh, back on. Maybe we'll get you back in the office or maybe a little uh, season preview before um, before next season starts, or we'll, we'll just to get this going a little bit more regular, because it's always great to have you on. So thank you very much. Uh, um, and listen, I follow everything you do. I love your stuff. So uh, congrats on everything that you're doing. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll re-engage soon. Looking forward to it. Number four. Number four. The fourth time I'm on. I know. Parents number four. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Looking forward right, to man. it. Thank you. Kawhi up top. 
Looks at the clock, turns the corner for the win! Hang 